Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? Feeling dark and depressed, <laughs> but not depressed. No. And angry, but not angry. <laughs> that, that seems appropriate, considering uh, considering our topic has got me definitely a little a little down we uh everybody already knows this by now because it happened on the 10th of November and our our little episode is happening a couple of weeks after, after that but uh we lost one of the great voice actors one of the great actors period in Kevin Conroy um that one hurt i mean there's there's a lot you know we started this podcast with kind of that that thing we lost somebody that you know we neither of us knew but that had affected us and it hurt and we got another one well i think in terms of what we discuss initially when we started it was an easy discussion because our common interest in music kind of led us to, you know, the disbelief of one of our favorite artists passing away. Um, and then what we found is, you know, we have the, the similar subjects in terms of the, in, you know, more, more pointed towards this episode would be comic book things. Obviously you have a much deeper collection and understanding and background on it, but I've always had the appreciation for it in both, um, the, the visual arts and the written arts of it as well. Um, and one of the biggest, one of the biggest, I think, characters in that medium would be the Batman character. And I think one of the biggest faces, um, voices to be more pointed, but you know, a, a face in a crowd, a voice in a crowd would be Kevin Conroy. Yeah. He actually still at the moment holds the uh, record for having voiced the Batman character for the longest period of time uh, between, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether you're talking about live action productions and television movies, animated series, video games. He has, he has been that iconic voice. Um, and it just kind of, to just kind of touch on it, he's a man that, you know, we all know for being so excellent at this one thing, but that some somehow doesn't do justice in a lot of ways to just the overarching talent that he really had. I mean, this is a dude that basically went to Juilliard on a full scholarship and you know this is this is a man that knew his craft in person or not if if you are a fan of theater I mean he's done so much live theater over the course of his life um, and toured with some really prestigious companies um, and touched just a lot of people's lives. I just he I mean, yeah, we're all gonna think of him as as Batman <laughs> kind of because that's how he impacted us. But he's 
he's touched a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Well, I think just from our age group, I think that's where you kind of start with. But you can go backwards and look at some of his, you know, his uh, presence on TV, let's call it, because he had some he had some roles on some of some of your favorite, our favorite types of of, of TV shows. He made an appearance in some form or fashion. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're talking like, I guess, from from our age group. Uh, you would recognize shows like Dynasty and Matlock if you were a little, maybe a little older than us and you watched it a little bit more religiously. But if you're our age, you know those shows and you still are familiar with them. Um, but, you know, like Spencer for Hire and Cheers. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of television that he did. Now, you're you're also, you also brought up a good point that he was like a classically trained um actor yeah so he did a lot of things that we won't see like a credit for but he had a lot of uh, live performances yeah it's kind of funny he actually uh roomed with robin williams uh so same kind of time period uh to genius i just that thought to me casting my mind back when they're when they're learning their craft at the same time these two guys that would become such forces in their own very specific ways, I would just, I would pay to just kind of get a glimpse of what that was like. It just kind of sparks the imagination, right? Do you think, it sounds silly, but even in those types of things, what if he was the goofball of the pair? Right, in in, in in the in the duo in their in their living space, he was the one that goofed around. Like, who who really knows exactly how that dynamic went? And of course, their careers took two you know different paths, two important paths too. And it's just it, you're right; it's those seem on their face like two different personalities. So it it would be an interesting pairing. Yeah, but I mean. After you know he he toured in the seventies and eighties uh, with a variety of of groups, but of course, what really brings us you know for me and Richard, I think, is just that original Batman the animated series in the early nineties. I mean, where he really just kind of set in. I mean, this as a reminder, you know, Batman's been around for freaking forever. Um, not just in comic book form, but in live action, uh, and, and, and movie representations. And up until this point, he was generally, he was generally portrayed in certain ways, you know, you, you know, think, thinking back to the, the super friends cartoon where he was kind of serious, but not really not angsty. Not, I mean, in, in, it was a kid's cartoon, so they thought that, you know, if it's a kid's cartoon, they can't have him be too dark, you know, that, that sort of a thing. And even in a lot of the early televisions, we just did an episode about uh, comics and television. We're talking about the, the 1960s Batman. That definitely wasn't dark. They never talked about the origin 
That, that would no. have been awful. <laughs> I mean, when you have uh, things popping across the screen that say like, bam, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was just a, a character presentation. Of course, you said that was the sixties and the animated series, Batman, the animated series was the, the 90s. So there's a, you know, obviously a 30 year, almost a 30 year difference in there. So that's part of it too. Um, and animation changed and your attitudes changed. And, and, you know, what other types of cartoons were we watching in the 90s? Well, there was a there was a Spider-Man, right? There was a X-Men animated. Got some TMNT uh, in there. So it the the audience was different. The attitudes were different. And if you look at the the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series, sure the audience might have been younger but i think that really catered to a lot of older audiences at the time too definitely um now the the michael keaton batman i mean if you look at the wikipedia page they talk about you know that being the the first instance where an actor chose to do different voices between bruce wayne and batman and, and he did. He did, but he kind of didn't. Not really. Uh, I mean, he went a little, he went a little, I'm Batman. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. I mean, the, the difference that Conroy could bring to it, looking at him record his lines, that voice coming out of, of him startles me every single time. It just doesn't seem like it should be possible, but he just is able to reach into this this deep well of of seriousness and just pull out this booming presence that I don't I don't know anybody else has ever come close to. And we've had discussions, and you more so, uh, with various people who have done voice acting. And you know what? When you look at their faces and you look at some of the characters, those those make sense, right? When you see some of our things, we have some up on our YouTube channel, actually. Mm -hmm. If you want to see voices and match with their faces. Um, but but those, those make sense. And when you see a, an interview with Kevin Conroy... You're right. It's like let's it's like you're intrigued and you want to keep watching, right? Because you're like, well, wait a second, maybe that was just a sentence and I heard something wrong, but then you keep going and it's, it's so natural. You know, he he's honed this character over 20 years. But really, it's what's been presented on screen and the scripts have been giving given to him of what's changed. But he's kept the voice and the attitude the same, just kind of customized it to the different material that he's been presented. And that, and that's the other thing. A lot of times, I mean, through the course of our lives, our voices are going to alter a bit. And to be able to maintain that for as long as he did, and it it always felt the same. I mean to the point that he kept being brought back for the same character and not just the animated series. But if you've played the Arkham games, I mean, that's, 
that's his voice, and it it makes the game. I mean, well, it, it's one of the things that makes the game. The games are awesome for the most part, uh, but without his voice being there, it just wouldn't it wouldn't feel right. Well, coinciding with that, the the one of the other characters in the anim- in the Batman animated series and throughout the Batman titles um, is the Joker voice, which is the great Mark Hamill. And seeing him produce that voice is kind of the same thing, but that wreaks so much havoc on his on his voice that he had to stop. And we all thought he was going to permanently stop doing that character because it it he couldn't keep up with it, right? Yeah. So, obviously, that's a unique situation. But I, I guess what I'm getting at here is, you know, these voice actors, it, it's it's like going to the gym. You have to hone your body so that it is maintained properly uh, to present the same type of voice or the material that you need. And, of course, you had to do it for such a long time. But I think we talked to... Um, Sobolov, mm-hmm. um, who's also done voices in some of this world too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, yep. Grodd, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He did Grodd for the television show. He's done Drax for the uh, Avengers. That's right. Yeah. He's he's been so, all over the place. He's got that. He's got that big booming. But he looks like he's supposed to have the big booming. Correct. Voice. Uh, one of our discussions, uh, you know, three seasons ago that we had with him talked about him having to maintain and what he had to do to maintain his voice. And I'm sure Kevin Conroy had the same type of maybe routine in place, but his voice from the nineties to his voice to the video games from the voice to some of the, you know, animated features. It's pretty consistent, right? Like it's, it's pretty amazing. It's, and it's not just that. Not only does he have that range, that skill, the ability to maintain the character over the years, but he obviously has an effect on the people that he works with. I mean, Hamill has talked about it on multiple occasions that he just had has a massive respect for Kevin Conroy, not just his abilities, but just who he is as a person and uh, or who he was. And, you know, we talked to Diane Pershing who uh, did uh, Poison Ivy a number of years ago. So was uh, also involved um, with Kevin on multiple occasions. And she's, she's always just had nothing but just wonderful things to say about it. So, not only does he give us this this gift that will basically last forever and that can be a part of who we are uh, as, as part of our, our immersion into pop culture, but if you dig just a little bit deeper, you can see the type of person he was and the effect that he had on the people around him. And when you go to the conventions and have that conversation with those other folks, they're all kind of gushing, if you will, um, about him. So, you know, it's not just 
it's not false, right? It it's it's deep rooted in their interactions with him over the years. So that's a good precedent as a as a person and as a and as an actor. Yeah, I have to say I I was a little geeked when I finally got to see him be Batman in a live action um sense the one time we got to see it. <laughs> it may not have been the show that I wanted it to be on, but you know, <laughs> I'll take what I can get. That show wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't my favorite either but uh it went from being eh, to as soon as he stepped into the room it's like oh this is interesting <laughs> so if you want to see him watch some watch some batwoman on the cw oh, was it c i think it's cw yeah i think so um but yeah he now i will say this because i i really enjoy well let, let's backtrack here I've said on numerous occasions during our podcast that I really think the HBO Max um, streaming app is tip-top. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and on on there, they have you know all of the DC animated films and uh, a lot of the the animated seasons and series. And there's there's a lot of stuff on there that Kevin Conroy's vo- voice is on. And over the years, he's done a lot of those things. But then over the years, they've had to they've had to move on. Right. So they've had to do a different voice. And you know what? In in some of these more recent features, the the Batman character and the voice that they've gotten uh, has become more like even more. I don't know, stern and lowbrow and just like ultra unemotional right and i i think the voice that they've presented to us so far fits actually pretty well and that's hard to say that's hard because it's such a such a precedent but we kind of said before that the batman character may have gone through some changes and iterations but how we saw it presented through kevin conroy was largely the same and a lot of these new features are you know they're PG thirteen or R, right? Because people are getting all deaded up and you know punched in the face and stuff like that. So it's just a different attitude and atmosphere. So the time was right to you know have a different voice. But then again, you have you know the the Killing Joke, for example, right. and that was very recent, obviously written material before that but the actual animated presentation of it they still brought back the legend if you will well and and this may just be me i mean i i could be reading into this uh it could be about the time when i saw the show or the fact that i uh, am familiar with the individual that does the voice or there are any number of different biases that can play into this but what you're talking about there, that change in in not just who's voicing the character, but the the presentation of that voice. I think they they lose something, not just in terms of skill. And this is not a knock against anybody that's doing the voice of the Batman now or or who has done it when he wasn't doing it. But I always felt that he was able 
to bring to voice something that I always felt was there and that, that they have shown in the comics at times and even sometimes in, in the animated series or, or, or the like. The fact that, is he serious? Absolutely. Is he edgy? Definitely. But the one thing that, that he should have is you should hear that he cares it should just be this little undercurrent. Yes, he's going to absolutely beat the ever-loving crap out of you if you're a bad guy. Uh, he's definitely frightening. He's supposed to be, but but it's just it's there's this there's this kind of undercurrent of just barely holding back that river of emotion that's that's right on the other side. That's what I always felt I got with his performances. Uh, like, I mean, a lot of people will, will talk about the uh, the episode where uh, he takes Amanda Waller's um, gadget to uh, kill a, a, a psychic girl that's going to end up just, you know, annihilating everybody and has no intention to use it and just basically comforts this girl in her last moments of life. If you listen to that conversation and can't tell me that you don't hear some some of what I'm describing, I I, I guess we're just on different wavelengths. But <laughs> but that's that's what I always felt I got out of one of his performances. Uh, yeah, that was the that was the one that had the. Oh, the Royal the, Flush Gang. The Royal Flush Gang. Yeah. Yep. And she was the ace of spades. Right. Right. It was a little girl. Um. So that yeah, that was a great animated one. That was, I think, one of the last few ones that he've done. He's done that. Um, like Brave and the Bold or something like that. J Jason O'Mara has done the last eight years worth of the Batman voice. Um, but a lot, like I said, a lot of those movies have a different tone to them. Um, you know, if you look at even the most, one of the more recent ones, the Justice League Dark film, for example, you know, love or hate that film. There's a lot of your, your, uh, characters that die in that. And you just didn't, you're not going to see that in a Batman animated series, right? And you're not going to see that in some of those things. So different character, different time, different feel. And that's okay. Um what's one of your favorite episodes that he voiced for the Batman series? Do you have one? You know, it I'd have to take a second to look. The in in realistic terms, I've watched that series and I've watched the Superman series. Um but it's been, oh gosh, um, mm, 12 years ago. So like those things aren't fresh in my mind. And the, the opposite is true. The, the animated features are what's more in my mind right now. But the other thing that I have watched quite a bit is the Justice League cartoons 
and like Justice League Unlimited. Uh, and he did the voice in those. And I don't know. I always enjoyed the episodes where the bad guys were the ones that were kind of in charge or the ones that you saw where the bad guys were outnumbering the good guys. And it took an arc of a couple episodes. You saw that more with the, I think, Unlimited series. Uh, so you had to have the character using their their wits to overcome everything because they'd always throw the the curveball of Superman was somewhere else because ultimately he's too powerful to really. Your Superman is episode. in another castle. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I I don't I I it wouldn't be fair for me to name a, a specific one just because I wouldn't have the capability of rightfully doing that. Yeah, it's uh, it really is kind of hard uh, to. It really is kind of hard to nail that down, but you know his his involvement in the Justice League. I mean, just just think for a second. We talked about working with Mark Hamill, uh, who was you know made appearances in that uh, cartoon as well as a Joker. But I mean, he's regularly working with Phil Lamar, being Green Lantern, and he's working with Michael Rosenbaum being the Flash, and he's working with. Uh, George Newbern being Superman and, you know, just Maria Canales, which is interesting I, uh, for hot girl. I, I I don't think at the time I realized <laughs> that she was doing that voice. Maybe it's one of those things I wasn't paying close enough attention. It's like, oh, yeah, she's she's got a great voice, too. <laughs> it's just kind of – he is a legend, was a legend, surrounded by other legends. Yeah, it was a, a quite the amalgamation of of voices. And if you look at obviously the his, and he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of notes all throughout the years of doing tons of different things. But then you look at all of the people that he's worked with, and they're the same way. Like they may have done the same characters over and over again, but they've done video games and they've done other animated features as well. So it's 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 amazing in some of these things like the justice league that they've gotten so much talent together for i mean i know it it's not just a cartoon to me it's more than that to me it's a presentation of stories maybe disguised as kids stuff but once again just really honestly for the adults and the kids yeah and the, the fact that they all love doing that stuff and can bring everybody together repeatedly to do it is to me is awesome. The consistency on it's awesome. Just seeing seeing his reaction, seeing a lot of these people's reaction. I mean, he was on the convention circuit all the time. Um, I had the chance to see him in a panel uh, three years ago, maybe. I feel like it was three years ago. It might have been four. Um, I'm starting to lose track. Uh, but just seeing his affection for the fans that just have it right back for him, uh, telling the story, listening to the story about how he got cast in the first place 
for Batman was a fun one. You can find that online all over the place. I'm not going to try and put it in any sort of a synopsis, but it is well worth hearing if you haven't heard it because it's it's kind of one of those out-of-nowhere kind of stories, which is, is, is really fun. Um, and, you know, just... It just, like I said, it's just we we lost, we lost a legend. It it didn't seem to me that he was too good. Isn't the word um, too important or or too unique in the sense that he felt like he could communicate equally across the board with his fans. And he showed the fans the respect um, that they showed him. And he really, I think, admired and appreciated everyone that paid the attention to him for something that uh, he presented as, well, well, you know, a, a character that he'd built for 20 years, for example, but um, one that it really was his job, but but more than his job. When you when you stick with it like that, and you become the the face of that particular character, just because it becomes more than work, it become yeah. it becomes more than that. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, just cancer sucks. Uh, and you know, we're all going to <clears throat> lose the people that are important to us, whether it be family or friends or those that have an impact. But at least he had. He had that legacy. He's he's got something where he's essentially going to live forever. At least, at least for me, he'll he'll live he'll live as long as I live, and uh, and I know that's the same for a lot uh, of the people that have enjoyed his work over the years. And at least he wasn't alone at the end. He had his husband with him at the time, and you know it's. I mean, essentially, we're all alone when we die, but. It's nice to think that he was surrounded by people in like circles, the close circle of the people that cared uh, about him in his familial level of circle and then surrounded by friends and family and just I just it's like it's like seeing the old Coke commercial uh, <laughs> you know, don't you want to uh, share share drink with the world sort of thing and it, so <laughs> I'm thinking that for him seems appropriate uh just yeah he was he does have a legacy and he does have uh a lot of memories let's call it uh, on screen and and not on yeah. screen well what do you think listeners what are your favorite memories you can feel free to share them with us on social media uh twitter while it lasts of course at real pudding guys uh, at pudding guys on instagram or facebook or just just think about Think about a little bit of some of the work that uh, that he did that maybe affected you in some small way or in maybe some bigger way, and just take a moment to appreciate that. I know this is a little shorter episode than some of the others that we tend to do, but you know, ultimately, there's not a lot to say other than than he was awesome. <laughs>